0: Jane Brown.
1: Libby is on vacation this week. As we get closer to the beginning of the school year, which is supposed to begin three weeks from tomorrow, the plan seems to be getting more clouded about how it will actually roll out. Even the chair of the Toronto District School Board, Alexander Brown, is expressing his concerns, saying he's losing faith in the reopening plan because it's not clear what the Ministry of Education wants to happen. Joining us to discuss this important issue, Leslie Wolfe, President of the Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation, Annie Kidder, Executive Director of People for Education, for Public Education, and Jennifer Brown, President of the Elementary Teachers of Toronto. Welcome all. Hello. hi, Annie, I'll begin with you. What concerns do parents have three weeks out? And there are two separate answers depending on whether your children are in elementary school or high school.
2: Well, I think everybody has concerns three weeks out. Uh, you know, parents. Teachers, support staff, principals, directors of education, and hopefully people who care about uh, young people. So the concerns are: it's hard to understand what the actual plan is. Um, it's it's disconcerting that the plans seem to be so disconnected from what uh, Toronto Public Health, uh, many many doctors, Teresa Tam from. Um, the Canadian Public Health Agency say should happen, which is that there should be physical distancing and there should be small class sizes. So there feels like a kind of, I don't know, cognitive dissonance where you feel like, but bars have these strict rules. Why don't schools have these strict rules? But I think overall, what's, you know, the most worrying is that there doesn't seem to be an actual plan and that we've had so many months pull it together. And in our organization, we have been recommending since April Uh, that there be a task force with everybody at the table, uh, teachers and support staff and directors and principals and students organizations and health uh, experts, people from municipalities, so that we could develop a coherent plan. So I think it is only three weeks now and people are still kind of at a loss as to what's happening.
1: Leslie, what changed last week for the high school plan? Uh, that the
3: government objected to the percentage of time that students would be spending in online, whether synchronous or asynchronous learning. Um, and that they wanted there to be, uh, I think that the board's plan was 25% face to face in person and 75%, uh, either online or working independently, um, outside of uh, face-to-face instruction with a classroom teacher. And my understanding is that the government uh, didn't approve of that. They want at least 50% uh, face-to-face uh, and no more than 50% online uh, or independent.
1: So that's something that's new because um, what parents were told is that their children, there would... There could be a hybrid, or they could be in the classes every second day, or morning and af- or afternoon, right? Depending on the on the board. Yeah, I, you know, where this government is concerned, and how it it has
3: unrolled the planning process, almost every week there is something that is new, and that the government seems surprised that boards of education didn't know about, um, and this. Initially, uh, when the government uh, announced at the end of June that its grand plan for school openings was to ask boards to do what it had suggested might need to happen some six weeks earlier, um, which is create the three plans, one for full remote, one for hybrid, and one for uh, back to school, but with... Additional uh, health and safety uh, measures in place. Uh, they told boards that the plans would be theirs and to go ahead and do what was uh, required to create health and safety, uh, uh, healthy and safe learning and working environments for the people's, people in schools. And over the course of the last number of weeks, uh, basically the goalposts uh, have moved on a regular basis as this government has responded, I think, to the correct uh, outrage of the public, uh, of teachers, of education workers, of parents and of students to um, oh the, plan, the plan as they, even as they change it and morph it. Um, so now just,
1: just to correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe it's not even clear, students, high school students in Ontario will not be able to do 100% remote learning.
3: Well, that depends uh, on, uh, well, no, nobody is doing, no, that's not 100% true. High school students uh, may, their families may opt for them to do 100% online remote learning, just like with elementary students. Okay, Yeah. So Uh, any, all families across the province uh, do have the option of, Uh, do, do have the option of saying to, they're not sending their children to school. Of course, that option set out by the government, um, didn't come with a plan for how families who prefer that option were going to support themselves economically if it meant a parent needed to be home Mm -hmm. to supervise the children. So it's really a plan only for the privileged and the rich. Right. And it doesn't do anything for, uh, those students who who actually live in places that uh, have the highest
1: incidence of COVID. And I do want to focus on remote learning in a moment. First, though, Jennifer, with the Elementary Teachers of uh, Toronto, the Mm -hmm. elementary school plan is... I would say, the most concern to all of us, regardless of what age you are, regardless of uh, your health and whether you're a parent or a grandparent, because of the issues around physically distancing and possibly bringing home COVID to family members of all ages.
4: Absolutely. Uh, the rejection of the plan for um, minimum class sizes uh, was not approved, and it doesn't make any sense. It follows medical um, precautions that the government continues to ignore. And, you know, the board has even put in a motion for all students to have masks. Uh, We know now that students are carriers just as much as adults. So why we wouldn't have safety at the forefront of a return to work in September so that we can have a thriving school system, community, and economy? This government has failed us. And, you know, we are two weeks before the beginning of the school year without a plan. That is not a setting up Ontario for success with education.
1: It doesn't seem like it, no.
4: Not at all. And this definitely needs to be um, changed. They gave the mandate. They let go of their responsibilities and gave it to the boards to come up and address the issues. And they did. They created a thoughtful plan um, that incorporated many of the concerns in a thoughtful, intentional way. And it was rejected, full out, not accepted. And this is not what we need at this time. We all want to go back to work. We want to see our students succeeding, but we need to do so in a safe environment. And they need to um, provide that. They need to fund education so that we are not returning to a school system set up uh, to fail. They are putting the students,
1: the workers, the community in jeopardy by their lack. If you'd like to get in on this conversation about back to school during COVID-19, which is beginning three weeks from tomorrow, we'd love to hear from you as well, along with our expert panelists, 416 360 toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Uh, Annie Kidder, back to you people for public education. Uh, what we're hearing now is that staff at the Toronto District School Board uh, are right now coming up with a new plan to present to trustees tomorrow night. Now, is this a plan for the high schools and the elementary schools? Is it uh, across the board a to K-12 solution? What is the thinking here? I, I actually have no idea, but I, I want to sort of echo that the problem
2: of this, which is that the expectation was that boards were to come up with plans that would fit in the government's kind of overall protocol. And, and it is worrying that the, the Toronto board came up with a plan for elementary school that would provide the small class sizes that public health advised um, and actually came up with a wonderful kind of compromise with the teachers and the staff to make that plan work. Um, And then it got rejected by the province, Uh, and the province is oddly blaming teachers unions, which actually, you know, are definitely not to blame in this case. So I think that boards, and I'm sure boards across the province, they have been working frantically uh, since the spring to try and come up with an acceptable plan that fit with um, public health And, um, and they're, they're, you know, they've been kind of pasting them together ever since. Um, but it has been really hard. And I think that one of the things this points to that's always difficult in education is the huge amount of politics in education. So that, the, pol- you know, there are wonderful, wonderful civil servants, a lot of them working, uh, in the Ministry of Education, trying to do the best they can. But the division then is with, and this, all political parties are guilty of this, with trying to come up with things where you think you're, you're gonna win more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that what I, I feel as if we're hearing is a lot of kind of political messaging and not necessarily a willingness to go, let's all, uh, collaborate, figure out what the compromises are that need to be made. And I want to reiterate what I think Leslie said, which is that the the kids that are going to suffer the most in this are kids who are already at a disadvantage. So kids who were um, already struggling or come from families who are struggling, they're not going to have they're they're not going to have the option of a parent staying home with them or putting, you know, grouping together with other families and putting together a pod to learn. And these are high school students so they don't need more childcare, but they definitely need support. And I you know, there are so more than about 75 percent of the students in ontario um, are going to be learning online in high school for half of the time and they can't just be left on their own and we can't you know relying on families to do this is not sustainable it's not fair it's not equitable there's nothing good about it and so you know the there, there does and to be crass or whatever or practical there needs to be more money there needs to be more money for support stuff there needs to be money for teachers so that families, we're not relying on families, because if we continue to rely on families, we're just going to amplify even more the gaps between, um, a, you know, students who were already disadvantaged and, and other students. And it's a, it's a, I feel like it's sort of the elephant in the room at this point. People aren't talking about it enough, um, and the families that... You know, are capable of having a voice in the media, have a voice in the media, but other families aren't being heard from, and we 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 can't
1: keep on going this way. Listeners who want to get in on the conversation, Nicole in Toronto, go ahead.
5: Hi, my name is Nicole. I'm actually a nurse practitioner as well, and I just wanted to thank you for taking my call. I think I speak for a group of parents. Um, I, we, we have kids in elementary school. And, you know, when we heard about the, the school day being shortened by an hour, we really had to scratch our heads. And obviously, we understand why it's happening. But I'm really wondering and questioning during this time if, as as teachers, we really should be looking at COVID as a as a, as not a finite uh, period of time, but what we need to do right now for our kids. And I really think, you know, shortening the school day to 2, to two o'clock you're putting parents in a, in a real predicament where now we're finding alternate care providers for our children and also increasing that COVID risk to the children. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, like I know for myself, I have to have my parents watch my kids. Um, and I'm just wondering if that's been taken into account. I'm sure it has, but I mean, it's a bit of a bone of contention for parents, I have to say.
1: Let's put that question to Jennifer Brown of the Elementary Teachers. Jennifer, go ahead.
4: Okay, so right now it is about um, safety. First and foremost, it's not easy for anyone. A shortened day, um, basically uh, a 2, uh, uh, 2 p.m. completion time, would obviously pose some uh, changes, but we're looking at the safety aspect of it all. And I think that should um, be something that is done in a thoughtful way. Uh, the TDSB has um, made a, a plan which allows for a shortened day to be able to accommodate all the needs um, and parameters in which they have to um, adjust for in terms of collective um, bargaining um, provisions. And there is a way that we are able to maintain both. The school day could finish at its normal time. It just happened to be a plan that was proposed um, uh, to put in. And is that happening for sure, Jennifer, that part of it? That is a great question. There is nothing for sure with this government um, at this time. The plans keep changing. So, you know... Um, that can't, cannot be answered at this time,
1: okay. not from, from me. All right, Nicole, thank you for calling in. I want to get to Rose in Scarborough here. Rose, go ahead.
4: Yes, hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, my concern is, as a grade one teacher in the classroom, the students really don't understand social distancing all day long. So class size to me is very important. Class size needs to be decreased. Uh, something else is about online learning. Uh, parents apparently have a choice to send their kids to school uh, or not at all. Um, I'm concerned about after spending a full day in the building, do I go home, which is an hour's drive away from my school, and start doing online teaching to those kids that have chosen to stay home?
1: Right. How does, how does that all play out? Um, and Nothing
3: has been said about that.
1: Jennifer, what about that part of it? Um, That is not our understanding and definitely uh, nothing
4: that we would um, be encouraging. This is a workload issue. There are going to be um, in hopes uh, the board will use our occasional teachers to do online uh, remote Ah, teaching, learning, as well as teachers who are immunocompromised. Uh, to be doing that sort of thing. Class size is a real situation that needs to be addressed and funding needs to go into it. This is a systematic approach from the government to dismantle
1: public education. Okay, Ro- and- I, I, I thank you, Rose, for calling in and thank you, Jennifer, for that. I have a minute left, so I'm going to give right. that to Leslie Wolf of the OSSTF, the final word. Go ahead, Leslie.
3: Um, thanks very much, Jane. I guess, you know, the frustration that you're probably hearing in, in the voices of all of us is that we, you know, schools closed down almost six months ago. In fact, teachers and education workers are required to be back in schools two weeks from now. And some education support staff have actually started back at work today. And this government made a decision, uh, basically, to um rather than to invest what it would take to make sure that every child could be at school all day every day in front of uh, with the teacher in front of them and the appropriate education workers with them by providing the money to hire the additional staff that would be required to have smaller cohorts of students and the money that might be required to um Obtain additional space in which to run classes. The government chose not to do that. They mm-hmm. made a spending decision.
1: Um, we do have to wrap it up there. We do have to wrap it up put, there. But I put the I, government I, that has put the system yeah. from crisis. To chaos. Yes, and every day I have a feeling we will be talking about this in one form or another for the next three weeks until children are actually back in school. I thank you both for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks very much for your interest. That was Leslie Wolf, President of the OSSTF Toronto, and Jennifer Brown, President of the Elementary Teachers of Toronto, and Jane for Libby. I'll be back with you again tomorrow, and you can call the Fight Back voicemail anytime if you didn't get through 416 Six three six seven nine six three six four one six three six seven nine six three six.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.